0: This is day 107 of our daily Bible reading plan. We will be completing Psalm chapters 53 through 57. Lord, Heavenly Father, how can we not know that you are there? You have made yourself so obvious in nature, in the grand universe that continues to expand like a a curtain that you are drawing out or that is all written in your book. Your book is life. Your book is truth. And yet, we so easily want to believe lies and convenient things in this world. Lord, your truth is so tangible and it's so relevant. And and yet, we don't seek you first all the time. And Lord, shame on us. whether we know that you are sovereign over our hearts. Please cause our hearts to drawn to you today and every day. Please bless the reading of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is any one who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside, together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Have the workers of wickedness no knowledge, who eat up my people as though they ate bread, and have not called upon God? There they were in great fear where no fear had been. For God scattered the bones of him who encamped against you. You put them to shame because God had rejected them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion, when God restores his captive people. Let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Save me. O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your power. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, and violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Selah Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your faithfulness. Willingly I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all trouble, and my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and am surely distracted, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me, Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. I said, "Oh, that I had wings like a dove! I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away, I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah I would hasten to my place of refuge from the stormy wind and tempest. Confuse, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around her upon her walls, and iniquity and mischief are in her midst. Destruction is in her midst, oppression and deceit do not depart from her streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together, walked in the house of God in the throng. Let death come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to Sheol. For evil... Is in their dwelling, in their midst. As for me, I shall call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and He will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for there are many who strive against me. God will hear and answer them. EVEN THE ONE WHO SITS ENTHRONED FROM OF OLD, SELAH. WITH WHOM THERE IS NO CHANGE, AND WHO DO NOT FEAR GOD. HE HAS PUT FORTH HIS HANDS AGAINST THOSE WHO WERE AT PEACE WITH HIM. HE HAS VIOLATED HIS COVENANT. HIS SPEECH WAS SMOOTHER THAN BUTTER, BUT HIS HEART WAS WAR. HIS WORDS WERE SOFTER THAN OIL, YET THEY WERE DRAWN SWORDS. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me, Fighting all day long he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for there are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps, as they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down the peoples, O God. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank-offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. Selah. God will send forth his lovingkindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens, and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Another short reading today, but very good stuff that we read. And this shouldn't take too long to discuss today. So chapter 53 is perhaps the most interesting of them because of what David is teaching us here. So the first thing that he says is, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I thought that was a very interesting choice of language because it's not saying that people are ignorant or it's not saying that God has not revealed himself Or that it's not possible to know if there is a God. But simply put, what he's saying is that everyone knows deep down inside that there is a God. There is something that God has put within all men that just know it. But not only that, but it mentions in Ecclesiastes that he puts eternity in our hearts. We know there's something beyond this life. We really do. And yet, it says the fool is the one that says there is no God. Now, when you use the word fool in the Old Testament language, this is a very serious word. And that's the same reason why when Jesus was walking the earth, he says, do not call anyone a fool. Now, typically when you think of a fool, you think of somebody who's stupid, right? Someone who's a moron or whatever choice of word you want to use on that. But the word fool in the Hebrew is a much deeper, darker word. And what it basically means is someone who is not able to be saved. Someone who is irredeemable. That is a very serious accusation to give someone. And that's why Jesus says, don't call anybody a fool. Because that is foolish, to do. So, because, again, no one is beyond saving. Now, God is going to choose who he saves, but no one is beyond his grasp. And so, for us to declare somebody as unable to be saved is an insult to God, not to that person. Because we're saying that God is limited in his strength, or that he's not able to save this person because they're so dark. And really, Jesus also makes the point is you're really judging yourself in the same way. You're condemning yourself because you're calling somebody a fool as if you did something better. You are in the same situation as these people are in your natural state. The only reason you are who you are today as a Christian is because I, the Lord, saved you. You didn't do anything to save yourself. In fact, if I didn't do anything for you, you would have been still wallowing in your sin. So, don't pat yourself on the back like you're any better. Because it was not you that saved yourself. It was the Lord who saved you, and that should be a humbling experience. The realization that we contributed nothing to our salvation. We We're kicking and screaming against God until he saved us. Praise be to God that he did that for us. So the fool is the one that says there is no God. And so the people that are not going to be saved are the ones that declare there is no God. And they are corrupt, and they have done some terrible things. There is, and then he makes a very important point. There is no one who does good. There's unfortunately an understanding that people are born good. You're born innocent. But quite the opposite. The Bible teaches that we are born guilty. We were born dead into our trespasses. From infancy, from the moment we're born, we are born into a sinful nature. Now, God shows compassion and grace upon those who are not old enough to understand and be held accountable for themselves. Praise be to God for that. But we are born into a sin nature. We are not born into a perfect nature. There is no one who does good. God looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there was anyone who understands, who seeks after God in the natural state, right? Again, in the unsaved condition. Yet, what did he find out? Every one of them has turned aside, meaning that they have deviated from God's path. Together, they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And this will continue to be this way until Jesus returns. And there's only been one man in human history who was good, and is good, and will always be good. And that's Jesus Christ. Because he is God in the flesh. And that's the only reason why he was able to be sinless. Because he's God in the flesh. A natural man cannot be good like that. Chapter 54 is a psalm of deliverance. This is a time when David was in the book of 1 Samuel. He was fleeing from Saul, and there was a time where he was hiding in a city called Ziph. And they ratted him out, basically. They told Saul that, hey, David's hiding here. Come get him. And they sold him out. They betrayed him. And so he wrote this psalm during that time when these people had come against him. That's why he starts off with saying that, save me, vindicate me, Lord. Strangers have risen against me. Violent men have sought my life. They have not yet set God before them. And I thought that, that was interesting because ultimately, isn't that why Saul was always out to get David? It clearly says in the Bible that Saul sought David's life because, one, he was a threat to his status as king, but secondly is he was jealous of him. And it's the very same thing that it says about the Pharisees that killed or tried to put Jesus to death. The ones that had him crucified were jealous of him. That pride, that arrogance. They had not set God before them because if they had recognized that Truly, God had anointed David as king, and if they acknowledged and accepted that, then Saul would not have pursued him, but he fought against everything that was against God. So really, Saul's issue was not against David himself. His issue was he was fighting against God, and couldn't we say that encapsulated his life pretty well? That he was always resisting God through this time. And I hope that we can say that we are not that way. We are redeemed by the blood of Christ if we are believers, but we still resist God because we're still in our fallen state. So let us not be Saul. Let us not be someone who has not set God before them. Because if we, are, we don't have God before us, then we are against him and We do not want to resist his will. We should not worry about evil people in this world because it says that the Lord is the one who sustains our soul and he will recompense evil. He will destroy them. And he will destroy them in a very literal sense in the end. Chapter 55 is something very similar as well that he wished he could have wings like a dove, and fly away from his problems, and that he would just take refuge in the Lord and and hide from all these issues. And then in verse 9, he says, confuse people, divide their tongues, as if he's recalling the Tower of Babel, right? Because that not that what happened in the Tower of Babel, is these group of people came together to devise evil against the Lord. They wanted to exalt themselves to heaven by building that tower. And then God frustrated their plans by dividing their tongues. And so in the very same way, he's asking God, hey, the same way that you did at the Tower of Babel, divide these people who are against me so that they can disperse and leave me alone. And not only that, but it wasn't even a random person who was against him this time. According to this, it says it was not an enemy, nor someone who hates him, but it was someone who was his equal, a companion, a friend, someone that he had sweet fellowship together and even went to the house of God in the throng. This one is scary. Think about who that might be for us. We're talking about close friends, or more specifically, think of this in the language of the church somebody within the walls of the church that we thought was our friend, but then stabbed us in the back for whatever reason. That happens way too often in church world, where people have a divided allegiance, and they have their own agenda, and they have a relationship of convenience with you, coming coming across all sweet, and You know, speaking these nice things, and you know, like it says, his speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. And unfortunately, there are those people that infiltrate the church and cause division like this or have selfish agendas when they go into the church. When we come into the church, we should be coming as a submissive body of believers that are meant to serve each other, ultimately for the Lord Christ. But we are also to serve each other, and that's to fellowship together, to accept each other for who we are, accept our differences. Now, if there's a difference in doctrine, if there's a difference in theological understanding. Certainly that needs to be addressed, but we are all going to be different people in the church. We all have different personalities. We have different ethnic backgrounds. We have different age groups, different races, different cultures. We're going to be very different, and we should not be struggling against each other just because of petty things like that. The word fellowship means to have something in common, and we have one thing in common no matter what you say, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why we come together as a church. So we do not want to deal with nor associate with people who are purposely causing trouble, be it gossips or slanderers or people in leadership that are starting to get that air of pride and arrogance. So same thing I've told you before, for example, let's say I'm a, because I am a Sunday school teacher and I also do this podcast. And if I ever told you this is my podcast or it's my Sunday school class, I'm wrong. It is not mine. It is God's. He's letting me do it. But ultimately, we know that the Holy Spirit's a teacher. So if I go around and start saying that, well, you can't do this without me. I learned this in the business world. Everyone is replaceable. No matter how awesome you think you are, everyone is replaceable. Especially in the spiritual realm. God can use anyone for anything. It doesn't have to be you. But he wants it to be you if you cooperate with him. But if you are purposely causing division in the church, there's a special punishment for that in the Bible. So let's not be that person. And if those people do exist, we cannot be silent about it either. That has to be addressed or it will become a cancer in the church. And the cancer will just continue to spread and infect and will ultimately cause even larger division. So leadership of the church needs to handle that immediately. And the loving biblical way, not just get the heck out of here kind of thing. Chapter 56 is another time when David is on the run. And this time, this is when the Philistines have seized him in Gath. And so, he is pleading to the Lord for deliverance again, and he reminds himself that when he is afraid, he puts his trust in God. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? David understood the eternal aspect of mankind. We are eternal creatures because of our souls. And we know that no matter what happens here on earth, we'll have no bearing in heaven in terms of the oppression and the pain that people cause us. Because, one, we're not going to remember that stuff when we go to heaven. It says those things will not even come to mind. But if we really step back and see that people cannot harm your soul in any way, Then really they it doesn't mean anything. We can just let it be like water on a duck's back, so to speak, where it just rolls right off and it doesn't bother us. We shouldn't let little things like that bother us. Because God keeps account of these things, like it says in verse 8 You have taken account of my wanderings. God is attentive to every little detail of our lives. And we are wandering, we are sojourners of this earth, right? Put my tears in your bottle. He remembers all the pain that you've gone through. Are they not in your book? Again, he's already written your life out before you were even born. And so he already knows what's going to happen, and he's directing you where he wants you to go. And again, here's another part where it says, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? It repeats itself as if to remind us. Not only is this supposed to be sung like a hymn, and we know that in our songs the chorus is repeated sometimes, it's repeated on purpose so that it can be memorable and that it can be catchy. And The Bible does it as well, but it's also teaching you something very valuable. If the Bible repeats itself, it's for a reason. And it's certainly something that we need to draw to mind. And finally, we have chapter 57, where David, again, is still on the run from Saul, and he is in a cave. We don't know which cave this is but it may very well be the one that he is in the cave with his men and Saul comes in to relieve himself and then he cuts off the corner of his robe. Could be that. We don't really know, but it is one of the times when he's in a cave hiding from Saul. And the reason why I think it is in that same time frame is because it mentions the men he's with, that his soul is among lions. And these men have... Teeth like spears and arrows. They have sharp words to say. And their tongue is a sharp sword as well. So if you recall, they saw him like, Ah, here's your opportunity. Get him. Get him, David. Get revenge. And he said, No, I can't touch the anointed. We don't know what they said after that, but they didn't seem to fight him. But we don't know if everyone agreed with what he said. But either way, we know that God does this as well. The enemy always prepares nets for us. They always set up traps, try to trap us in our words, right? Well, you said, and and so on. But we love how God frustrates the plans of evil because he's going to make them fall into their own trap. It may be a slow process, but it will happen. But at the end of the day, do we exalt God to the heavens? That is where he belongs. Let God be exalted. And it's, this is repeated twice in this chapter as well. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all your earth. Amen and amen. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.